0: this is basketball history 101 with rick lowiza
1: Welcome back to Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network. I'm your host, Rick Lawiza, and this is a podcast where we bring to life some of the forgotten stories from basketball history. We are bringing old school basketball to a new school audience. But before I get into our story for today, my producer, Jacob, and I want to thank everyone who voted for us and for the organizers of the first Sports Podcast Awards. We won in the category of the Best Basketball Podcast. We are so grateful to you, our audience, for supporting us and listening to our episodes each week. As I have said many times in this show, this is a Labor of love for us. I first fell in love with the game of basketball when I was 11 years old and started reading my first basketball book. It was the book Second Wind by Bill Russell, and I just could not get enough of the game and I had to learn absolutely everything about it. I love its history, the development of the game around the world, and the current game. I regularly go to used bookstores whenever I travel and I look for old basketball books that are out of print in order to add to my collection and to have for potential future research. Again, thank you for going with us on this journey. We appreciate you and we hope to keep making this podcast better and better. And now on with today's story. Today we bring you the story of the World Professional Basketball Tournament. It was an annual tournament that was held in Chicago from 1939 until 1948. The tournament was sponsored by the Chicago Herald American newspaper, which no longer exists. The newspaper went out of business back in 1974. Now the tournament itself was the only true world championship offered for professional basketball. The goal of the tournament organizers was to invite the best professional teams they could find and bring them all into one city for a tournament to decide which professional team was truly the best. Of course, just about every team was from the United States, so it is weird that we would be calling it the World Championship. I remember having a conversation about something like this with my father when I was a kid. My father was born and raised in the country of Peru, and we had just finished watching Super Bowl Twenty-Three, where the San Francisco 49ers beat the Cincinnati Bengals 20-16, and I said that the 49ers were the new world champions. He said, world champions? what other countries were part of this thing? And I said, Dad, of course there were no other countries. All of the teams are from America. So he said, well, then they should only call it the American Championship. Now he had a point. The World Professional Basketball Tournament was only held 10 times and all 10 times it was won by an American team because the participating teams were all from the United States. On the other hand, An argument could easily be made at the time that there were no teams from outside the United States that were on the same level with the best American teams. But with all that aside, the tournament did make a concerted effort to invite the best teams in America. It was all the brainchild of a man named Edward Cochran, who was the new sports editor of the Herald American newspaper. He was trying to copy what a competing sports editor was doing, Arch Ward, from the Chicago Tribune. Ward was credited with creating the Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the Golden Gloves Amateur Boxing Tournament, and the old All-American Football Conference, which gave us the previously mentioned San Francisco 49ers and the Cleveland Browns. Seeing the success that Ward was having over at the Tribune, Cochran decided that the Herald American newspaper needed to put on something just as big and just as splashy. And he came up with the World Professional Basketball Tournament. And it was a great idea because it would bring more attention and money to his newspaper. It was basically a win-win for everybody involved, from the organizers to the teams to the fans. Part of what led him to settle on the idea of a basketball tournament is that there were a bunch of professional teams out there calling themselves the world champions because they won some local tournament. It was kind of chaotic. How can all of these teams be the world champions without a proper world championship contest? So he decided to create it. He just had to settle on which teams to invite. At the time, the strongest league was the Old National Basketball League, or NBL. Now, the NBA was still 10 years in the future at the time that this tournament was organized. So, Cocker decided to invite the two best teams from the NBL, the Oshkosh All-Stars and the Sheboygan Redskins, both from Wisconsin. He also wanted to invite the two best all-black teams in the country, the New York Renaissance, and the Harlem Globetrotters, and this was huge. Seeing that this was the 1930s, a good part of America was still segregated, and it was very uncommon to have any sort of sports competition where all black teams would compete against all white teams. But Cochrane was determined to make this a true World Championship Tournament. How could any team call themselves the World Champions if some of the best teams in America were not even allowed to compete? So, for the sake of the integrity of the title of World Champion, the Wrens and the Globetrotters were invited. The rest of the teams in Chicago for that tournament were the House of David All-Stars, an all-Jewish team from Michigan, the Chicago Harmons, the Clarksburg Oil Five, the Fort Wayne Harvesters, the Illinois Grads, the New York Celtics, and the New York Yankees. In that first tournament, the semifinals came down to the New York Rens and the Harlem Globetrotters on one side of the bracket, with the Redskins and the All-Stars on the other side of the bracket. The Rens beat the Globetrotters 27-23, and the All-Stars trounced the Redskins 40-23. And that set up the championship game between the New York Rens and the Oshkosh All-Stars. The championship game was held on March 28, 1939, in the old Chicago Stadium, where one day Michael Jordan would play the first nine seasons of his career. The place sat nearly 18,000 people for a basketball game, and they sold out every single ticket. By 1930 standards, the game was a route, the New York Rens blew out the Oshkosh All-Stars 34 to 25. And with that, the New York Rens, an all-black team, had proven itself as the best team in the world. It was a big deal back in New York, particularly in Harlem where the team was based. It was a hero's welcome when the Rens arrived home. The tournament was so successful that they held it again the following year. In 1940, the winning team was the Harlem Trotters, And the next eight winners went like this, the Detroit Eagles, Oshkosh All-Stars, Washington Bears, and then the Fort Wayne Pistons winning three in a row, followed by the Indianapolis Kotskis, and in the final edition of the tournament, it was the Minneapolis Lakers who beat the New York Rens behind the dominance of George Mikan. Overall, the tournament was a tremendous success, At the time that the tournament was founded by Edward Cochran, there was no true national basketball league. The NBL was the strongest league around, as I mentioned, but it was primarily based around the Great Lakes states like Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio, Michigan, and Indiana. And then you had all of the independent barnstorming teams that were not part of a league at all. It really was like the Wild West. The tournament brought order to professional basketball at the time. But after 10 years, the tournament had run its course. By 1948 the two strongest leagues in the country were merging into a single league called the NBA. At the time, whichever team won the NBA championship was considered the best team in the world since it was clearly the strongest league ever created. The need for the tournament was no longer there. All of the best teams were already in the NBA and they were already playing each other regularly for an annual championship. The independent barnstorming teams had regressed because all of their best players were jumping over to NBA teams because the money was better and there were fewer games. At the time, the NBA played 72 regular season games while barnstorming teams were regularly playing 150 games per year. Playing on a barnstorming team was absolutely exhausting. So in essence, the NBA killed the World Professional Basketball Tournament, and that was okay. Even today, the team that wins the NBA championship is considered the best professional team in the world as the NBA is not just considered the strongest league in the United States, it is by a wide margin the strongest league in the world. By paying out the highest salaries anywhere in basketball, that attracts the most talented players from around the world to play in a single league. But the World Professional Basketball Tournament served a purpose for its time. And I am thankful for Ed Cochran and for his idea for this tournament. It was an incredible endeavor and it brought order when it was needed. Now that's it for today. Join us next time when we share the story of the 1964 NBA All-Star Game when the players nearly boycotted the game in protest until their players union was legally recognized by the owners. That's next time on Basketball History 101, part of the Sports History Network, the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear. Go to SportsHistoryNetwork.com to find out more about this and other sports history podcasts. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts and check out our page on Facebook. It's called Basketball History 101 Podcast. There you will find shorter historical posts, as well as comments and discussion starters on today's game. I'll also announce there when new episodes come out. I want to thank my producer and editor, Jacob Loiza. Join us each week as we continue to mine the history of basketball for more great stories from the past. Take care, and see you soon.
0: We have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. This is Mark Mortier, and if you're a sports history fan like me, tune in and hear me talk about some great sports moments of the past. Growing up during the 1970s, I got to watch some of the most iconic moments in sports history. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's home run record. Willis Reed limping out of the locker room in Game 7 of the NBA Finals at Madison Square Garden as the fans erupted with a thunderous ovation. The 1980 Miracle on Ice as Team USA defeated the powerful Soviet Union in the Olympics. Listen every Tuesday on Yesterday Sports. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network